Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. Why are people into that, listeners? Tina here. So this episode, Why Are People Into Puppy Play, is kind of a rerun of sorts. It was originally published in early 2016. It's now 2019. My guest for this episode is my good friend who goes by the name Yandy. And in the episode, he talks about puppy play and his identity as a leather pup. Some of you longtime listeners probably did hear this one back in the day, but for many of you, it's going to be a brand new episode. This is the only episode anyone has ever asked me to take down because of nervousness around certain people hearing it, which for the record is something I'm always willing to do for my guests for any reason. It's definitely one of the projects of Wire People Into That to confront the stigma of respectability politics. And part of doing that is allowing people to be out about their kink or sex work or queer identities when and only when it doesn't compromise their security on any level. However, Over the past few years that Wire People Into Puppy Play has been unavailable, I get near constant requests for episodes about leather puppies and animal play in general. In fact, in the past few years, I've even started teaching a class at Pleasure Chest about animal play, which to be clear, we're talking about humans role-playing or identifying as cats, ponies, pigs, etc. This is not about bestiality, which I consider to be fundamentally non-consensual and therefore outside the purview of this show. Got it? Good. So I recently reached out to Yandy and asked how he would feel about me taking out a few identifying details in order to republish it, and he agreed, which I'm really stoked about. So please enjoy this rerun, whether it's been a few years since you heard it or you're getting slobbered on by it for the first time. Why Are People Into That is produced and hosted, as always, by yours truly, Tina Horn. Follow at Tina Horn's Ass for updates on the podcast, as well as my other projects, including Safe Sex or SFSX, my queer sex work sci-fi comic book. Issue 1 is out from Image Comics in your comic book stores, September 2019. Our music is by Vivid Windows from Oakland, California. If you want to support five years and counting of indie pervert media, check out the show's Patreon. That's patreon.com slash T-I-N-A-H-O-R-N. And now, a quick word from our sponsor. I am so stoked to let you know that every Pleasure Chest store in New York City, Los Angeles, and Chicago is having a hashtag open mixer this July. Hashtag open is a sex positive social event to celebrate the new hashtag open dating app. 
come to a hashtag open mixer, a sex positive social event for open minded folks. Join the pleasure chest for an evening of refreshments, discussion, icebreakers, and socializing hosted in New York City by sex at a go-go creator, Dirty Lola, life on the swing set podcaster, Cooper Beckett in Chicago, and the dating advice girl herself, Erin Tillman in LA. Open to folks of all genders, orientations, and relationship styles who wish to connect with others. See you there. And now, on with the show. Welcome to the 32nd episode of Why Are People Into That? The podcast that sneaks onto the couch, even though it knows it's not supposed to. My guest this week is Yandy, a kinky party promoter who identifies as a puppy. This is the final episode of our second season. In 2015, I talked to sex workers, comedians, and professors about hedonism, swinging, cruising, bicycles, butt plugs, erotica, pegging, cross-dressing, size queens, hair, and sluts. Back in the first season, 2014, I talked to activists, journalists, and artists about camming, fear, spanking, submission, porn, boot blacking, the occult, teasing, chastity, sex work, squirting, age play, high heels, size, exhibitionism, naughty nurses, prostate pleasure, sex slaves, and power. And now... Wipe that drool off your snout and roll over so I can pet your belly while you enjoy. Why are people into puppy play? Hi, Yandy. You know, I I came up with that username because I used to I go by I Andy E Y E Andy mm, mm. on some sites. Um, as like an Asimov thing, I Andy, um, and uh, and and then to make a FetLife name, I wanted to shorten it a little bit and make it a little less Googleable. Um, and then I realized I really liked it because it's impossible to say without smiling. <laughs> and you smiled when I said it. <laughs> awesome. Um, thanks for coming on the show. Thanks for coming over. I'm uh, I'm excited. Yeah, I'm. Uh, it's nice to have you referencing Asimov as I'm looking around at all of these wonderful science fiction paperbacks that you have they're organized by topic by topic sweet sweet that's great um what are some of the topics that they're organized by um well so the the top shelf is uh comics and zines Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. uh those two are uh political and uh and queer shit Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. um and then you've got sci-fi sci-fi fantasy fantasy uh, speculative fiction that doesn't fit neatly into fantasy or sci-fi. Yes. Uh, linguistics, cookbooks. You have so many interests. 
I'm uh, I'm polymorphously perverse. I love that. Um, so speaking of, well, uh, tell tell uh, everybody a little bit about you. So you, you throw the the myth parties. Um, I've been to a few. Um, do you want to tell the listeners who have not been lucky enough to go to a myth party um, what they what they are like and what makes them unique? Well, so um, you know the feeling of really wanting something to exist and looking around for it for a long time and trying to find it um, and just being rebuffed and disappointed over and over again. Yes, I do. And then deciding, fine, I'll fucking do it myself. <laughs> yes. Um, that's where Myth Party came out of. That's where this podcast came uh, <laughs> out of. So perfect. Um, I, you know, I was in the scene in New York for years. In the kink scene. In the kink scene. Thank yeah. you. Um, and I was going, <clears throat> I was going to the, a lot of the parties that existed and I felt like, um, what I really wanted was a party where it wasn't just, you know, anyone that came in off the street. Like I had some idea that everyone who was there was kind of on the same page to a certain extent. Mm-hmm. Um, and also that there wasn't this like self-congratulatory like aren't we the coolest fanciest kids in our fancy fucking penthouse you know with our like our our, like 20 year old girls in garter belts Mm. serving champagne to all of the aging burner douches sorry that was overly salty i apologize listen i uh no please salt away and as someone who has been a 20 year old girl in the garter belt serving champagne to burners like you know I, 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 yeah i uh i know i know the parties you mean so um so i was really i was when i first joined the scene i was really excited i thought this is going to be a place where i will be around people who like aren't going to treat me like shit and aren't going to um, act like they're entitled to my body and my time, mm. you know, because in order to be a kinky person, you have to be at least a little bit thoughtful. That is true. It's not. <laughs> I mean... It's, I was mistaken. It's... Well, no, I mean... Uh, n- but it, it's a nice idea. I guess what I mean by it's true is that it's true that you would think that. <laughs> yeah. So that was, that was my fantasy. Um, that was, that was what I was hoping for. Um, you know, and then I, I spent a little time being around, um, and I just was, you know, I was in a lot of shitty situations. A lot of things happened to me that I didn't want to happen to me. Mm. Um, and I just wanted somewhere that I could play and feel safe. So what were the kinds of things that you didn't see at other parties that you made happen at Mix? Myth. Myth. Sorry. I don't, I don't throw at, Mix. No, I've been <laughs> at Mix all week, and uh, also I just, uh, yes, they sound the same, but uh, Myth is different from Mix. Yeah, both both lovely. I, I had I went to Mix last night. I had a wonderful time. Awesome. <laughs> I, uh, I got super duper butt fucked. It was lovely. Oh, that's yeah. that's the place for that. It really is. <laughs> that is that is anal central. Right <laughs> oh my god, those satin pillows. Oh. Um, also, I was I was wearing this like mesh cat suit and like trying to be on my hands and knees on the satin pillows, but it, with the cat suit and the satin, I was so slidey. I kept face planting. <laughs> Very difficult. The struggle is real. The struggle it's is so real. real Tina. So, <laughs> so, 
that's the kind of thing you can expect at the Mix Festival here in New York City. Right. Highly about, recommend it. What about, the, what about the myth parties that you throw? <laughs> and do you get super duper butt-fucked at those? Can I, you can know, I ask? I don't personally. Um, I don't play at my own parties. Oh, um, you, don't, you don't get high off your own supply. <laughs> I don't get high off my own supply. And the reason for that... Um, is that I feel like there's an inherent power dynamic there that can get very gross very fast. Oh, well, that right there is an awesome premise for a party. Do you ever feel sad that you've like made your uh, vision of a maybe not perfect party, but the kind of party that you would want to go to, and then you also have ethically shackled yourself? A little bit. Yeah. I feel a little bit sad about that. Um, but also I feel like when I'm walking around the party that's happening and I'm seeing all of the things that people are doing that like they feel safe and able to do because of all of the work that I did. Mm. Like I get all, you know, I, I feel all of that. I feel all of the satisfaction and energy from that um, just by being there and holding all of that space. Mm, voyeurism um, is participation. Absolutely. Cool. Um, like I, I remember at the last party I threw, which was called Future Fuck. Right. Um, with the big giant performance art. Yeah, thing that yeah. was happening with the it feminist was, future. It was at the Etley Universe, Etley, which universe, was right. the it was a queer feminist futurist um, art installation festival mm-hmm. thing. Thing, yeah, that was how they described it. Um, <laughs> and uh, and uh, it was run by this brilliant artist named Sarah A. O. Rosner. Mm-hmm. Uh, and apparently, she asked around and she said, "If I want to have a play party at this." queer futurist art festival who should throw it and everyone was like andy should throw it oh that's so sweet i know it made me feel really good um awesome and so i was at i was at future fuck um and this this very dear uh family member of mine um that's chosen family not uh, family of origin uh it's a very dear family member of mine who had come in from out of town um you know, been on like a seven hour bus ride to just, just to, to get there for the party. Yeah. Um, who like never bottoms ever, um, and never feels safe enough to bottom. Um, and I was walking through the party and I saw them in bondage getting beat up, uh, and looking so happy. Oh. And like, I knew that they felt safe to do that because of the work that I had did, that I had done, that I did, (laughs) that I'd done. Um, and because of all of the, the love and the care that I had put into the space. Oh my God. Um, and so I, I just, I watched that and I just, my heart grew three sizes. That's so, that's so great. Um, it was really nice. Well, cool. And, um, uh, so today we're going to talk about something that is related to play parties um, in some ways. I should stop nodding because your audience can't hear <laughs> That's fine. That's fine. Um, so today we're going to talk about why are people into puppies? And let's just clarify that what we mean is puppy play. But not just puppy play because puppy is more than a theme of role play or, or a kind of kinky play. It also is for some people an identity in the way that that's being... Right a daddy would be an identity or even a gender or being a little or some, you know, some of the other things that we've talked about in past episodes on the show. Um, That's right. um, so tell me about your relationship to puppy play and puppy identity. So, um, I, I would say that for me, it's, it's sort of more of an identity than a style of play. Cool. Um, and it's very hooked in 
to the way that my DS relationship um, with my my captain and my owner <laughs> is twenty four seven. So your your domination and submission submission. Bleh, I can't talk tonight. Uh, your twenty four seven dominant submissive relationship. That's right. Where um, your captain uh, right. is the dominant and you are the submissive. Correct. Cool. We'll talk about that too. Okay. But so go on. Um, because. You know, I just I just uh, did a class at Tess at the Ulan Spiegel Society on puppy play, and cool. someone asked me, you know, what are the, how do you get into a puppy scene? Like, mm-hmm. How do you get into a puppy headspace? And it wasn't really a question that I could answer because I'm kind of never not at least a little bit of a puppy. It's much more of a scale for me than an on and off switch, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, because <clears throat> the the way that I think about it is is like. There are times when, you know, I put on my ears and I put on my tail and I romp around and I play fetch um, and I'm like doing the puppy play thing. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, But when I'm not doing that, it doesn't make me not a puppy. Like how if you are a person, if you are a pianist, if you're a person who plays the piano, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. there are times that you're actively playing the piano and times that you're not, but you're never not a pianist. Yeah, I like that. I like that. Um, well, how did you discover this part of yourself? Um, I sort of fell into it. Um, I, I realized, well, my captain realized at one point, um, that the way that I was reacting when I was, when we were having play that was focused around our power dynamic mm-hmm. was very, um, animalistic mm-hmm, mm-hmm. um and and that uh that a lot of the attributes of uh the platonic ideal of a puppy um <laughs> were things that really pervaded our play and our relationship what um, does the platonic ideal of a puppy look like <laughs> um so the the puppiness of of a puppy the the inherent puppiness um <laughs> so the things about the the things about being a puppy that that resonate for me that that are important for me um you know it's it's things about uh valuing accessing a space of uncomplicated joy mm-hmm. and play mm-hmm. um and also about being sort of bottomlessly loving mm. uh and being open and curious uh and and um seeking connection that is um guileless and simple and based in love and play that's so beautiful well thank you i wonder what to what degree the um inherent way that dogs relate to other creatures based on a hierarchical system of control and power and status also might have something to do with what inherently makes a puppy a puppy? That's certainly part of it. Um, You know, there are a couple of different modes or modalities of puppy play. You know, the one that I do that's, you know, it's, it's based, it's very sort of 
positive. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, It's very based in play and romping and, you know, Mm. getting scratched and getting treats and Mm -hmm. getting belly rubs. Being a good dog. Being a good dog. Um, You know, that means a well-trained dog. I'm very (laughs) well-trained. I haven't peed on the floor in like a month. (laughs) And then it was on a newspaper. It was definitely on a newspaper, maybe a puppy pad. Okay. Um, But, uh, you know, a lot of people that do puppy play do it in a much more dehumanization, degradation, like you're a dog, eat this dog food out of this dog bowl because you're a dog sort of way. Yes. Um, Interesting. You know, and it's, it's kind of like it, it's like puppy play is the medium, you know, and whatever the dynamic is will play out through the medium Mm -hmm. in the same way that, uh, you know, a flogging can be a medium and that, that you could be giving me a flogging because, um, I've been naughty and need to be punished or because, uh, you have just full access to my body and can do whatever you want with it. And it pleases you to flog it or because, um, we're just fooling around and it feels good to me or because, you know, I'm the top and I want to be flogged and I Mm. tell you to flog me like, like the, the simple act of flogging, uh, is the medium and whatever the dynamic is between the two people plays out through the medium. Mm-hmm. Similarly, mm-hmm. the the specific acts and, and behaviors of puppy play are the medium and whatever the dynamic is, whether it's one of positive reinforcement and belly rubs or one of degradation and, and dehumanization and, and humiliation will play out through the medium. Let me tell you a story. Um, that I've, I've told other times, maybe even on the show. Um, I remember the first time that I went to the Eagle, which is a leather bar. There are Eagles in many towns and there's one here in New York, um, in the, um, meat packing district, uh, ish area. Right. Isn't that where the Eagle yeah, is? It's on, uh, it's on 27th street. Mm-hmm. Oh, I guess that's all more the way che- on the West side. I guess that's more Chelsea, but anyway, it's like near the, the, the piers. And anyway, um, uh, so it's a leather bar. It's mostly gay men there. Um, sometimes there's public sex there and it just, just as a normal matter, of course. <laughs> Yandy's shocked. <laughs> Were you ever super duper bug fucked on the, while smoking a cigar on the patio of the Um, you know, table? I have, I have not been, I have found that, uh, the interest of the, the dudes that frequent the Eagle, uh, in butt fucking a boy like me is mm. not high. Mm, that's too bad. Which has been a frustration for me in in trying to participate in the eagle yeah. uh, programming. Well, that's that's another podcast. Um, but uh, this, I was there on Puppy Night one night. I go there a lot. Um, oh yeah, yeah. Do you do you, are do you go in like puppy mode? Yes, oh, cool. Yes. Oh well, I want to hear about that because I the it was the first time that I had ever been in like a public place. You know, the, the Eagle is almost like a membership club, but it's not, it's not like exclusive. Like you yeah. can, you can go in and yeah, like for me as a woman who's clearly a woman, there may be a little bit of like shade thrown at you, but you know, then you yeah. gender non-conforming or women like, you know, but then they, they let you in if you seem cool. Um, anyway, it was puppy night and there were like half a dozen full grown men walking around on their hands and knees in a public bar 
behaving exactly like dogs were if it was the kind of bar that would allow like actual canine yeah. creatures there, right? And I think that there was like a dog pen and maybe there were like friendly dog fights going on, but um it was mostly just like Again, like, if you can imagine being at a barbecue and, like, everybody's allowed to bring their dogs and, like, most of the people there have dogs and so there's, like, humans talking and drinking beer and then there's, like, dogs running around underfoot, right? It was like that except the dogs were people. Yeah. Acting like dogs are, like, in puppy space, right? And this one puppy just kind of came over in the way that a curious dog would and kind of started, like, nuzzling against our our legs and we were like... because of this situation and because we're like, you know, open-minded people who are like, oh, this is not weird. Um, I just immediately went into the mode of treating him exactly like I would an actual canine being like, oh, you're so good. Oh, you're so cute. Who's cute? And like rubbing him behind his ears and he reacted exactly the way the dog would. And, um, and it was so sweet and adorable and also like cheered us up in the way that an interaction with a good sweet dog would. And, um, I it totally changed the way that I thought about puppy play because it, it was also just so nice that as an identity for these people that they can get to be in their puppy mode and interact with people in a way that is not like maybe it's sexual for them psychologically but it's not like sexual in a way that is like obtrusive to right. the, or explicit in the space and so maybe later the you know these human puppies are going to go home and jerk off thinking about getting scratched behind the ears by me at the eagle you know or or maybe not maybe it's just in the in a kink space and not necessarily um and even like a like an identity affirmation space and not necessarily sex but for a lot of people it's probably about sex um in my experience at pup night specifically most of the extent to which it's sexual is between the puppies and the other puppies oh that the puppy human interactions are you know they're very leather let's say you know mm-hmm. they fit very neatly into the hierarchy that is inherent in the leather bar mm-hmm. um and you know there's often bootlicking involved there's mm. often you know uh, that sort of thing that the the humans feel very you know can like pet pet the puppies and and grope the puppies and feel the puppies' bodies in the way that you can to a, a, a you know canine dog, um, but that most of the humping let's say uh, <laughs> is puppy on puppy um, because that's a way that uh, that it's possible to access sort of a. I feel like the word primal is often overused, but sort of an animalistic urge. Yeah. Um, One of the things that I really value about puppy play is that it gives me an opportunity to, like, find the place in my head that is all of the things that are being a human. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, like, there's, there's a place in my head that's dedicated to... You know, oh, I have this client that I got to write this thing for and I have these emails I have to send and rent is due and I got to pay the water bill and um, and I should call my mom next week and like all of these all of these human things. Yeah. Um, and I can just sort of draw a line around them. Right. And put them on a shelf for a little while. Right, right, right. Um, and say, I don't have to worry about those things right now. Those are human things. Right. Dogs That's human stuff. don't pay rent. Right. I don't need to worry about that stuff. My primary concern right now is this squeaky toy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> And I find that really um, freeing. Yeah. Because I I have a lot of stuff going in my head all the time. You know, sure. I think a lot of us do. 
Um, and when a lot of that stuff is very focused around human responsibilities, mm -hmm. it can get very heavy and it can get very mean. Mm -hmm. Um, and so taking that stuff and shutting it away in a cabinet for a little while and just devoting the entirety of your attention to a squeaky toy, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. um, is very, uh, you know, it's like a spa day for your brain. So how is it connected to sex for, you don't have to answer necessarily for yourself, but like, what is your observation about the way that people then connect that space to fucking? Well, I think, I think, as I said, a lot of it is puppy on puppy because, mm. you know, you're there on your hands and knees wearing, you know, a jockstrap and a butt plug tail and someone else is there on their hands and knees wearing a jockstrap and a butt plug tail. And, um, maybe you're having a tussle and maybe that tussle gets a little humpy, <laughs> um, you know, and that's, that, that's a reasonable and, 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 uh, totally predictable thing to happen. Yeah. Yeah. Um, for me, the the extent to which my puppiness or my puppy play plays into my sexual interactions with, for example, my owner, mm. um, it's not as explicit. Yeah. It's, it's primarily because, as I said earlier, you know, as, you know, I am their puppy. Mm -hmm. I am always their puppy. I'm never not their puppy. Right. And so when when we're having sex, when we're playing, even when we're doing play that's not primarily puppy play, mm -hmm. I'm still their puppy. They still call me puppy. Oh, cute. Um, you know, I still, I still gnaw on them and headbutt them to get pet. Uh, and, and so when, when we're having sex or when, you know, we're having sex with me as a puppy because I do everything with me as a puppy. Gotcha. Um, but it's, for me, there's not a lot of, you know, here's this puppy with these puppy ears and this puppy tail. Now I'm going to fuck that puppy. Do you feel like there is, um, there's a certain kind of, of turn on or release that some people get from like actually having sex while they're like in a puppy head space? Uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, I think, I think that, um, that there's value in putting yourself in a place where you can have sex in the way that an animal does, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. where you're not worried about being messy. You're not worried about other things. You don't have your head going all the time. You're right. just, you know, instead of being entirely focused on the squeaky toy, you're entirely focused on this cock. <laughs> right. Right. Um, you know, I mean, that's one of the great things about sex is that you behave in a very uncivilized manner. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. And I think, I think for, for some people, puppy play is the avenue to get there. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, because, because if you associate being civilized with being a human, if you want to be uncivilized, it's easier to do that if you take a break from being human for a little while. Yeah. Do you think that folks need to have dynamics like with other puppies or humans to treat them like puppies or having owners in order to get into that space? Or do you think that people can like be in puppy space, the puppy space while like masturbating, for example? Oh, that's a good question. Um, 
I think it's definitely possible to be in puppy space while masturbating. Um, I find that uh, my favorite way of being in puppy space is in like a public setting Mm -hmm. at at a party or at the Eagle or at, you know, an event where part of what I can do as a puppy is interact with other puppies and or humans. Mm -hmm. Um, That makes sense. Because part of puppy play for me is being treated as a puppy. Right. I mean, it does also seem like such a nice way to go into a public space to whatever degree you may or may not have social anxiety, you know, like mm-hmm. may- maybe you have acute social anxiety and maybe you just are tired and you don't know if you want to feel like you're at the party and, oh, that person's here and, oh, that person's there, blah, 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 blah. But like, if you're a puppy, there's no question about the way that people are going to, there's not Absolutely. like, you're not going to have small talk when you're a puppy. People are going to fucking scratch you behind the ears. Exactly. And tell you, tell exactly. you that you're good if you're good or bad, if you're bad. Exactly. What do you think about like being bad dog? Like being like people who want to be like bad dogs. It's not part of how I play. Yeah. Um, I think mostly because, you know, wrapped up in, in previously mentioned uh, social anxiety is like a lot of the time I'm pretty sure that I am bad all the time, you know, and so you want to be good for a change. Right. And so, and so I don't, I don't need to play with that. I already have that. Yeah. Um, and so I, you know, most of the, most of the puppy play and, and most of the DS that I do is, uh, you know, is, is sort of positive reinforcement based. Mm-hmm. Um, I think, I think I'm thinking about the, the media that I've seen of puppy play, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. um, and the other people that I know that do it. Yeah. And I, I don't like to generalize. Yeah. But I feel like the bulk of the media that I have seen where puppy play or, you know, or the people that I know that do it, where the puppy play is focused around degradation and, you know, you're a bad puppy and you yeah. did a bad thing, um, is it's not in that gay leather puppy paradigm. Mm-hmm. It's often straight. Mm-hmm. Um because I think puppy play has a very particular placement in the gay leather scene. Right. You know, and and most puppy play that I've seen occurs in that in that paradigm. Yeah. So in the straight scene, it tends to be more like there's a male dog and a female like mistress and she's like degrading him and calling him like subhuman and yeah. calling him a dog. Yeah. yeah. I, I mean I've also seen it with a with a a female, a, a female puppy and a, mm. a male owner. And, and, you know, it's, it's very, you know, you're a bad girl, go sit in the crate. Um, but I don't, I haven't seen as much of that in the gay male leather paradigm because that's a very specific thing. That's very, um, it's focused around, uh, around, the same sort of things that that the the structures of gay male leather are focused around mm-hmm, discipline mm-hmm. and and um and hierarchy and and respect and honoring mm-hmm. the the yeah the hierarchy or the top yeah. exactly and so that sort of mm, dehumanization really is is not as much of a part of it in my experience um interesting i also you know, I'm. I feel a little eh, about the term dehumanization as applied to this, um, because 
I think it's often used to mean a kind of degradation, a kind of being brought lower. Right. Um, and like subhuman. Right. And like humans are pretty terrible (laughs) and puppies are the best. Being dehumanized is like great. That's a surgery I would like to. Yeah. Right. Yeah. 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 I see what you mean. Yeah. And so, and so the idea that, that it's, it's dehumanizing and that's a negative thing. Mm. I can't, I don't really jive with that. I mean, it's kind of like objectification, right? People always treat objectification like it's a pejorative as Mm -hmm. if feeling like just a pure object or even just like pure idea being like reduced to an idea by sex or being like being reduced to like not being yourself or not being whatever you represent, but just being completely treated like a whole is appealing for some people. Oh, absolutely. And like, uh, I, don't, I feel like a lot of, of objectification play functions in the same way as puppy play does for me, mm-hmm. where it's like, you know, going through life, like as a, as a queer person, as a person with social anxiety, as a person with a job in which it's hard to have, uh, tangible evidence of having done a good job. Mm-hmm. Um, like if I'm doing objectification play and my one job is to be an Ottoman and you're, and good, I can you're, be uh, a goddamn fucking good Ottoman. Yeah. And Ottomans are useful. Ottomans are useful. Ottomans are wanted. Mm. Like, you know, whether you're a good Ottoman or not. And if right. you're a good Ottoman, you have done a good job at doing the thing that your task was set to do. Yeah. And like, that is hella satisfying. It's so satisfying. It's I know, so satisfying. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. God, that's so true. You know, and, and similarly, it is easy to know when you are a good puppy. Mm-hmm. People will tell you. That's right. It is hard to know when you are a good human. That's right. Like to the extent that that's even a meaningful thing, you know, and, and when you have a lot of angst about that, like, am I a good human? I try to be a good human, I don't, yeah. but like, I have no way of knowing it in a concrete way. Like, yes, you are a good human. It's not like that when you're a puppy. Yeah. If you're a good puppy, people tell you you're a good puppy and yeah. you are aware and you can, you can feel it a little bit. And that's, that feels really good. You know, it, I, I didn't grow up with dogs and, uh, I remember being in my mid twenties and, um, finally sort of understanding like why someone would want to have a dog and explaining it to a friend of mine. And he was like, oh, well you finally figured it out that what you want, you finally figured out that what you want is a slave. And and I was like, well, yeah. Like once I started thinking about a like a dog as like a, like a, the usefulness of a human slave and how nice it is to be able to like control someone and order them around when they want that from you when they yeah. want that discipline and that guidance um is something that i <laughs> I understood from being a top totally. and um and then I was like, oh. If an animal consents to be that, it would be kind of fun to, you know, to, to top the shit out of a dog. <laughs> well, and, and similarly, like, you know, I, I, I did grow up with dogs. Um, I had, I had boxers growing up, um, you know, and the, the thing about boxers, the, the big squish face dogs. Yes. Yes. 
Um, I love them. I love any dog that looks like a pig. Yeah, yeah. The squish face just speaks to my heart. Um, <laughs> you know, and the thing about boxers is that they're not they're not smart dogs. Right. And yet, they will love you until the heat death of the universe. Yeah. And and I know when when my owner talks about their experience of having a puppy, of having me as a puppy. Yeah. They talk about what it's like to have the love of a puppy and how that's so different from anything a human could give because it is so bottomless. It is so unconditional. It is so unquestioning. It's just a a constant. It's just a, a constant well of of complete devotion that you know will always be there yeah i mean critical awareness is a curse sometimes yeah it's it's one of those human things like yeah. if you can put it on a shelf one sometimes it's really human helpful things yeah and then know where it is when you need it again yeah instead yeah. of like suppressing it and then it gets lost oh totally. and then it rises up in weird ways it's it's not a good thing to not have any critical awareness that's um, right unless you want to actually like enjoy media ever um or to know the difference between humans and dogs <laughs> But, right. That's why we play with these things. Right. Right. I mean, uh, I feel like a lot of what we do in BDSM and in role play is um, seek temporary freedom from the things about our lives that yeah. are heavy that we want to put down for a little while. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code Buttery. Exclusions apply. See site for details. So tell me about how puppy owner dynamics work within a 24-7 relationship. Well, it's it's not uh it's not very separable. Mm-hmm. Um you know, they they call me puppy most of the time um we we actually have to work really hard for them to not call me puppy around like either of our parents yeah um it's a little challenging i mean it's one of those funny things that like could be seen as a totally innocuous pet name if you will Mm -hmm. or uh ordinary vanilla run-of-the-mill pet name maybe but also you both know that it's not so it doesn't feel right yeah, well, it's, you know, the, the way we framed it is, you know, uh, have you read uh, American Gods? Oh, yeah, by Neil Gaiman. Right, so yeah. Shadow's wife calls him puppy in Cute. that. And so we've been trying to frame it as, like, an allusion to that. <laughs> nice. Uh, for, for, the, for the For the purposes of parents not being weirded out. Yeah. Um, but, you know, a lot of, a lot of how we communicate uh, in, our, in our day-to-day interactions... Uh, are using the language and the the communicative medium of 
uh, of puppy owner dynamics. And is there ever any training in the way that there's training between a human owner and an actual canine dog? Well, they taught me how to balance a graham cracker on my nose. Wow. Really? Effectively? Yeah. It's, it's, um, you can get, uh, Scooby snack graham crackers. They're shaped like dog bones. Um, you can get them at Target. Cute. Um, and so they, they taught me to balance that on my nose and they snap their fingers and I can eat it. So you've learned some tricks. I have a few tricks. Yeah. Yeah, So that's positive. But are you ever a bad dog? Do you ever need to get like wrapped on the nose with a rolled up newspaper? Um, they have... Uh, they have authority to wrap me on the nose with the rolled up newspaper when uh, certain when I do certain things that are okay. To explain this, I have to explain a little bit more about how our if you're comfortable, works. I would love to hear more. Um, so one of the one of the reasons that twenty four seven works for us, um, and I say twenty four seven as a shorthand, meaning you know a a DS dynamic that that persists through 24 hours a day, seven days a week, and is not isolated to the times when we are naked. Right. So it's not just a sex dynamic and it's not just a play party or dungeon or scene dynamic. It's when you're in the produce aisle. It's when you're Netflix and chilling. It's like all the time. Right. Right. Exactly. Um, And one of the reasons that it's really valuable for me uh, is that my self-preservation instinct is not great. Hmm. Um, and if I were in charge of taking care of me, I would do a terrible job. Hmm. Um, and so they're in charge of me not like starving to death by accident or staying at work until 11 PM every day. Um, like those are things that I don't do because I'm not allowed to do them. Right. Because if it were up to me, I, you know, I'm not very good at taking care of myself. Right. Um, and so the captain knows that like, if, if it's 11 PM and I'm still at work, they can bot me with a rolled up newspaper and say, stop that, come home and go to bed. Yeah. And you have to do it. And I have to do it. Um, and you know, similarly, if I've forgotten to eat for nine hours, they can say, puppy, let's, let's, let's get you a treat. Yeah. Um, you know, so it's, it's not exactly me being a bad dog, but it's more that like there are certain aspects of, uh, of being a functional person, uh, that, that dynamic allows them to enforce for me. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's for your own good. It's totally for my own good. (laughs) Um, you know, and, and in that we, we really frame, our power dynamic as structures for mutual care and interdependence. Cool. Um, you know, and so it's, it's not like if we weren't in a 24 seven puppy owner DS thing, they, that, that they wouldn't be able to say, Hey, I noticed that you haven't eaten all day. How about that? Um, but we've talked about it and I've, I've said, explicitly that I, I'm comfortable with them having the authority to tell me what to do and to sort of override my own self-destructive instincts in certain mm. cases. Um, and so it's something that we do on purpose. Cool. You know, and similarly, as part of the, the service, me being in service to them, part of the dynamic, um, you know, I have the, 
the authority or, or analogous word for, you know, being on the bottom, <laughs> um, to, to, you know, notice that it's been a while since they've eaten or they seem to need a cup of tea and just sort of gently put it at the, their elbow and say, in case you were wondering, uh, if there's a cup of tea right next to you, there is, <laughs> I'll just, I'll just go. And that, uh, this dynamic works really well for the two of you. Uh, yeah, I mean, we just we just had our fifth anniversary. Like, oh, Mazatov! Thank you. Um, it's been it's been incredibly valuable, um, both for um, for helping me grow and and um, sort of s- start to believe that there's something in me worth taking care of. Yeah. Um, and also that like, it's really, even if you're someone that has a hard time feeling loved, it's, it's really hard to not feel loved when, when you're a puppy and you're, you're getting belly rubs and you're, you know, you feel totally owned and cherished. So what kind of puppy are you? Um, I am a squish face puppy. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I'm in the sort of boxer, bulldog, floppy ears, lots of drool, um, <laughs> careens off of furniture sometimes. This is a challenge, you know, because a lot of the, the puppy hoods and masks that exist. Oh, yes. They're a particular kind they're, of breed. They're like Dobermans or like German right. Shepherds. They've got the pointy ears. Right. Um, and they're kind of like, er, I am a big dog that will bark at the postman. And I'm like, no, I'm the kind of dog that, like, gets their face stuck between the cushions of the couch. <laughs> mm. You know, so, so none of the masks really are, are the right breed for me. Do you do you make things that feel, like, affirming to the puppy that you are? Um, I have a pair of ears that I got at the Halloween store. Nice. Um, and I have the square peg tail, um, which is a, a butt plug with a tail. Um and I, I got the size small, um, but because so much puppy play is focused around, um, like gay male leather, like it's, it's size small, but it's like faggot small. So it's <laughs> pretty ambitious. <laughs> That's funny. And, um, uh, sometimes, uh, we do a, um, we do it in sort of a bondage way mm. where they, where, where the, the captain will, um, tie or zip tie or, or, uh, uh, saran wrap, uh, my arms and my legs fully bent and I'll toddle around on my elbows and knees. Mm. Um, and that's really cool because it changes the way you move completely. So you're not moving like a human, right, which right. takes you out of the mindset of feeling like a human really efficiently. That's awesome. Um, it's really fun. You face plant a lot. <laughs> um, and I would say if you're going to try that, uh, get elbow pads and knee pads because yeah. but having all of your weight on the point of your elbow bone and your kneecap can be really brutal. Yeah, absolutely. I definitely know a lot of puppies who bring um, knee pads and elbow pads. Yeah, I think I think knee pads and elbow pads are, are a really important uh, like safety tool yeah. for pups. Um, along with... Um, I would say along with thinking about how you communicate when you're in that space and mm-hmm. how it's possible for you to communicate yeses and nos. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, just like any scene, especially when you're 
nonverbal. When you're nonverbal, exactly. Yeah. But the thing is, and the thing that I find really delightful about playing with other puppies is that the communication that happens between two puppies when they're like negotiating a tussle, mm-hmm. it's all nonverbal <laughs> and it's amazing. Oh, fun. Like it is so effective. Like you see these puppies engaging in this incredibly sophisticated, like you, you know, you kind of go for it, but like a little, and then you make eye contact and you're like, and they're like, you know, and then you can go for it or like you can. They might like tease and flirt a little bit, just right. like dogs do. Right? right. It's like, there's a little teasing, but like it's, it's, it's actually pretty easy for a dog to communicate. Like, I don't like that. Right. You know, like think about if you're dealing with a canine dog and yeah. you're like, you know, pet them in a place they don't want you to pet them or, you know, you step on their tail. Like it's not a secret. Yeah. Um, and so dogs aren't passive aggressive. They are, they are definitely not. They're actually really good at communicating. Yeah. Um, and so we could probably learn a lot from dogs. It's, it's just a different language. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, and so experiencing that, doing that and watching that happen between puppies, it's really delightful. Yeah. Yeah. And relaxing. I'm sure to communicate in that way. Do you have other tips like that for ways for folks who want to explore puppy play, like the saran wrap trick and the and the pads? I know you're talking about the Scooby snacks. Do you have other mm-hmm. like fun sort of like like props or games or stories of great puppy play? Well, or scenes past. I have a lot of opinions about toys. Yes, um, hit me. Uh, tennis balls are always a bummer mm. because. The big ones are the regular size ones are just too big for a mouth, right. like your, you know, like yours and mine. And the little ones you could choke on. Yes. So, uh, um, I love a squeaky toy. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, I my experience has been that if you squeak your squeaky toy too much and you break the squeaker, your owner will not fix it for you because they're glad that it's broken. <laughs> <laughs> just like with real dogs. Uh, yeah. Or the neighbors. Um, if you are shopping for toys, um, if you see like a rubber one, smell it first. Yeah. Because a lot of rubber toys will taste extremely grody. Yeah. Um, silicone ones are best because then you can just toss them in boiling water with all of your dicks and your knives. Right. Because you can you can sterilize mm-hmm. them. Or mm-hmm. not sterilize them. Disinfect them. Yeah. Different. Yeah. Um, if you're getting a, a bowl to eat dog food out of, mm-hmm. um, you got to kind of put your face in the bowl to make sure it fits. Um, because a, you know, a dog with like a long pointy nose can get their nose into a bowl that their whole face doesn't fit in. Right. But the way that our faces are shaped, we can't do that. So you're especially squishy nose. Yeah. Yeah. But you, <laughs> so you kind of have to put your, make sure your whole face fits in the bowl. Do you like, uh, eating out of dog bowls? I do. Um, what do you eat out of dog bowls? Mostly cereal. Yeah. Oh, cute. Um, I don't recommend eating actual dog food. Um, no. I, I try very hard to stay away from, like when I'm talking about puppy play, to stay away from um, hard, this is how you do it and this is how you don't do it. Yeah. Um, because there are so many ways of doing it. And like I said, of it's course. a medium for expressing, you know, different dynamics. And also it is very, very not good for a human to eat actual dog food. And I, I don't suggest that you do it. <laughs> um, if you... You know, cereal makes a good analog for dry food. Yeah. Um, I like Cheerios because um, they're, they're, they're easy to eat and easy to clean up. Yeah. Because you will inevitably make a mess. Um, I have heard tell that using um, canned stew, sure. like cold canned stew, is kind of a fine analog if, if wet food and, like, getting messy in that way is important to you. Yeah. 
Um, Ugh, cold stew, though. It, uh, I mean, you're not... Hey, no, I'm not yucking anybody's yell, I'm just saying. Yeah, I don't, I don't prefer that. I prefer, I prefer kibble analog. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. But uh, I'm, I'm given to understand that that's the case. I also heard from someone recently that if you look up online recipes for making your own dog food, there are recipes where you can, you can make something that's like ground turkey and carrots and, you know, stuff that dogs can eat, but is also basically human food. What, what is, um, like, what's the worst that can happen for a human eating dog food? Is it just hard to digest or? Well, I think it's that, um, their, their digestive systems work very differently from ours and need like different enzymes from ours. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so because dog food is optimized to be very healthy for their digestive systems, it's not very good for ours. Makes sense. You might, um, you know, you might get like stick to your stomach. It, it like it wouldn't be it wouldn't be the end of the world if it's really important to you. It's probably fine. And some people like the degrading element of being forced to eat something that is probably not going to be lethal, but it's not necessarily that good for you and is not going to make you feel sure that great. You might and end, is like gross. You might end eat. up with a tummy ache. It's probably not going to taste very good. Um, you know, you might have some. GI troubles. I, yeah. I don't know your life. <laughs> um, what about, so, uh, other, other tips, the Cheerios dog bowl tip is really good. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a, there's a cafe in San Francisco called Wicked, Wicked Grounds, Grounds. Yeah. And they will give you your latte in a dog bowl. If you ask. So cute. It's so cute. Um, the last time I was there, I saw them do latte art of a dog's face in the latte that was in the <sighs> dog bowl. It was so cute. I could so not handle cute. it. Um, it's challenging to drink a latte out of a dog bowl. Yeah. Um, it, you don't really know when you're drinking water out of a dog bowl, you don't really notice that it's hard because if it gets everywhere, it's kind of fine because it's water. Right. Um, but getting, getting latte all over your face and all of your surroundings is a little more noticeable. Totally. (laughs) (laughs) Um, uh, yeah, I mean, collars are at this point have become so such an almost like mainstream um symbol of bdsm that it almost seems like redundant to um to even mention like collar and leash although i always like to put the psa out there that there's a reason that o-rings are on the throat of a collar which is that you should always pull someone from the front not from the back when the collar can press against their larynx that's totally true that is and also um it's important to think about, like, if you want to do a collar and leash, if you're being taken for walkies of some kind, mm-hmm. um, whether your intent is to be standing um, and to be led from someone in front of you right. or to be on your hands and knees, right. in which case you do kind of need the O-ring in the back. Mm-hmm. The way that I do it is I, ha- I have a harness. And when, oh, I, when I'm having walkies, um, the harness has a D-ring on the back. And so the leash gets clipped to that instead of to my collar. So it's like a chest harness. Yeah. Cool. Um, I So... If you go on Amazon and you search for bulldog harness, mm-hmm. um, it will show you harnesses for bulldogs. Mm-hmm. Um, and the largest size of bulldog harness that they have is uh, 34 inches. And so if you have a 34-inch chest, you can wear that. Wow. Is um, that what you have? Yeah. I'll, I'll show you when we're done if you want. It's very cute. Oh, my God. That is, um, that's really amazing that it's really for dogs. Because, they, you know, it's an art and a fashion to make leather and other material like chest harnesses and it's very much like a part of 
gay male leather and absolutely um, increasingly folks are making them for for different bodies and there's all kinds of uses for that ornamental and um and otherwise but um that's really cool that you have one that is actually for a dog yeah it's it's extremely cute um it it took a little judging to make it fit uh well because yeah body shapes sure Um, species species but (laughs) um uh but yeah that that lets me be walked have the leash coming from the back of me without Mm -hmm. getting throttled cool um i do i also have a collar that is you know those spike collars with with spikes on the inside that like a pit bull that people use for pit bulls that are like kind of you know choky and for training and a little rough um so i really wanted one of those with the metal spikes um and the captain said no because i would die yes and i was bummed uh but there's that whole captain taking care of you thing exactly yeah i was like but what if i got stabbed in the throat a bunch of times and they were like rocket (laughs) (laughs) rocket is my puppy name uh as as we mentioned um and uh and so you can get those in plastic where you can have like it's kind of spiky but it's not actually gonna like sever your larynx or whatever that sounds i think i've seen those at like raves like I've been to so many raves where I've seen <laughs> plastic plastic spikes, but um yeah, I can I can see I can see that at hot topic. Well, but these are it's the the spikes are on the inside. You know, so they Right. Face yeah. Right. Um and so uh you know th- all, all of this to say that uh you don't want to be inherently choked just because you are having walkies right. um but a little choking if that's what you're trying to do is totally rad yeah absolutely um so what yeah what are some of the other like puppy accessories that you like or that you recommend well a lot of people uh you know have a hood or a mask mm-hmm. um and you can spend so much money on those sure um and you know all of this stuff all of the all, all the puppy gear like, you can spend a bucket of money and get, like, a really nice, dedicated, like, made-of-leather, you know, uh, you know, marker mm-hmm. that shows, I am doing this thing, I am part of this group. And or and for yourself to, like, get into that space, mm-hmm. like, when I'm wearing this, I'm not gonna, I'm not doing my taxes, yeah. I'm a puppy. Um, and also, like, my, my ears came from the Halloween store, I get my toys i got my leash at PetSmart. you know mm-hmm. what i mean like i got my my elbow and knee pads at uh uh models mm-hmm. um, sporting goods yeah. yeah oh um paws paws are another thing. oh yeah you can get this is what i'm saying you can get like nice rubber or leather padded paw mitts that mm-hmm. are like a bondage thing they're locking um they they they're padded on the knuckles so that when you're you're paws are on the floor you're not like fucking up your knuckles mm-hmm, mm-hmm. um and they look cute they do look cute you like, get them in the air i okay. also i have a pair of um mma sparring gloves nice nice that i got off of queer exchange nice um that serve they don't lock but other than that they serve exactly the same function they reduce the use of my hand so i can't like do stuff with thumbs mm. um they pad my knuckles so i don't hurt myself on the floor um, and you know, and they don't 
cost $95. Yeah, taking away the thumbs is a, probably a good way to get into that. Yeah, you, that, so, you can also just do that with a couple of pairs of socks. Just put a go. couple pairs of socks over your hands. It does the padding. It takes away your thumbs. You know, you just have these, like, paws. Mm-hmm. You can't see because this is audio, but I'm just waving my little paws around in the air. <laughs> um you know, and so, and, or, you know, or you could use vet wrap, you can vet wrap your hands, Mm -hmm. um, into paws. Uh, and you know, so, so there are ways to, to have puppy gear where you buy stuff that is intended to be puppy gear. Mm -hmm. And there are ways of having puppy gear that is not that that's, you know, it's a little more DIY, you'll look less fancy, you know, but it works perfectly fine. Cool. Is there anything else that you really love about being a puppy or that you know that people love about being a puppy that we haven't talked about yet? Um, the, the other thing, uh, is being a puppy, like when you're at a party that is not all puppies, like not pup night at the Eagle, but just like any pup, any party, mm-hmm. um, you know, for at, at most parties, there's like an hour and a half or so at the beginning where everyone's kind of standing around being like, who's going to be the first one to get naked? Yeah. Um, and it's a little awkward. Yeah. Nothing busts awkwardness like a puppy. Totally. Um, and so if, if I'm in that moment at a party and I just like put on my ears and fling myself on the ground and start, you know, running around headbutting people, um, it just breaks all of that ice instantly. That's so cool. Um, and just gets totally witnessed that gets people into that, into that mode. Um, because like most people are really happy to be around a puppy's energy. Yeah. Um, and that, that's true about canine puppies and that's true about, about bipedal ones. Like (laughs) being around a puppy just kind of, it, you know, it's joyful. Yeah. It's, it's, it's infectious. It is, you know, you see someone feeling that kind of uncomplicated glee. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and you know that you could just make their day by throwing their ball for them. Yeah. That's going to make your day better too. You know? And so being in that role of, of like everyone standing around awkwardly, I'm going to destroy that and turn it into everyone smiling and watching me face plant and, (laughs) um, playing with my squeaky toy with me. Um, because, and now everyone's having fun. I really value that. that Amazing. Well, listen, is there any, are you doing any parties coming up or anything that you want to plug or let listeners know about in 2016? Um, I'm doing a lot of teaching in 2016. I'm doing a ton of traveling. I'm going to like Chicago and, and Illinois or not Illinois. That's Chicago. Um, Indiana, <laughs> mm. the other one with an eye and, uh, and Virginia and DC and like all of these places. Um, so if you are in a not New York place mm-hmm. and you want me to come, I, I, I do, t- I teach classes on puppy play, but I also teach classes on, uh, consent practice and community accountability, um, and things like that. Um, you know, community response to violence and, mm. Uh, and and consent violations and best practices for for uh, event throwers and stuff like that. Um, if you live in a not New York place and you want me to come to your group and talk about that or, or something like that, um, drop me a line because I am doing a lot of that. Uh, the next thing that's coming up is January thirtieth. Okay. In 
Baltimore. Okay. At the Playhouse. Uh, Sweet. There's a thing called the Safe Spaces Summit. Nice. Where me and Tamara Pincus are talking about um, what it means to create or want to create a safe space in the kink scene. Did you see Roxanne Gay's article about safe spaces in the Times this morning? I did not. Uh, I I got back from mix at 6 a.m. and so I really haven't been awake very long. Well, you should check it out. Okay. But I, I can't, you should not regret that you got back <laughs> from mix at 6 a.m. Um, it was it was a lovely night. Um, but yeah, so I, I, I don't have my next, I just threw a party in October. Um, I don't have my next one planned yet because I have to give myself like a month and a half or two months to like to forget how much work it was <laughs> before I start feeling the urge to do another one. Self-care like a boss. But if you go on mythpartynyc.com, there's a place where you can sign up for my mailing list, and then I okay, will great. tell you when the next party is. And how can people get in touch with you if they're interested in your awesome education about consent and community and community response to, bi- to violence and all poly and all that other stuff? So, um... There's a contact page on MythPartyNYC.com that has my email, my personal email on it. Um, so if you only remember one thing, remember MythPartyNYC.com. Nice. Uh, my FetLife is Yandy, Y-A-N-D-Y. Okay. Um, Are you on Twitter? I am on Twitter. Um, my, uh, I, have a, I have a public Twitter and a private Twitter. Um, my private Twitter, where I mostly just talk about butts and tweet pictures of the sweet potato fries that I'm making. Mm, they were so good. And that yogurt aioli. Yeah. My God. Um, that's uh, iAndy, E-Y-E-A-N-D-Y. Cool. Um, and uh, and my public Twitter is Andy Eyeballs. Um, that's right. Because I sort of switched it around. And um, what else? My Tumblr is Rock'em Sock'em Rocket. At tumblr.com uh what kinds of things do you put on there i do a little bit of writing um like sometimes i have the occasional opinion uh <laughs> you don't say <laughs> <laughs> um but it is mostly i would say it's like 60 percent gifts of dogs mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and 30 percent selfies and 10 percent opinions it sounds like a winning combo <laughs> come for the Dog gifts, day for the political radical. I I would say that that's my actual life. Come for the dog gifts, stay for the politics. (laughs) I love that. Well, thank you so much for being on the show and enlightening me and talking about something that I just I can't imagine people listening to this and having any reaction other than oh yeah oh yeah. It's I mean, look, I think I I think that it is really valuable to find a, a a thing that you can do that can be uh, a break from having to be a responsible grown-up person. Word. Whether that's being a puppy, whether it's being a little, whether it's getting the shit beat out of you so much you don't know where you are, mm. like whether it's smoking a bunch of weed, whether it's going for a run in the park, like whatever it is that you can use to put your worries and anxiety and and mean feelings about yourself in a cabinet for a little while. Yeah. Like, I really think that that's something that people need. Cheers. I agree. Well, thanks so much, and I I hope you have a great rest of your night. Oh, I I plan to. I'm I'm going to eat some sweet potato fries. (laughs) (laughs) And make some magic, right? Yes, yes, there's going to be some magic. I got got some weird plans. Okay.
<laughs> awesome. Well, thanks for talking to me. So nice talking to you. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com.